Welcome to the Things I Preach to Myself About podcast. I'm your host, Rich Vangen, and on today's episode, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about idolatry. I have moments where I will smile, shake my head, even roll my eyes with a bit of a chuckle as I reflect on my old life, back when I was living without a thought of God in it. Not surprisingly, and due to my ignorance and rebellion back in the day, there were many situations that Had it not been for the hand of God interceding, I would probably be dead. I was always slow to learn and even slower to recognize that God was, and still is, in control, despite my dangerous decisions and activities. Because he has plans for me, there wasn't anything I was going to be able to do that would thwart his plans. I've come to accept that I really didn't have a lot of wisdom flowing through my brain cells, nor was sound discernment involved in many of my decisions. I chased after my own gods, idols, desires, to do what I wanted to do in life. I thought I was a god. Hosea 14 verse 9 says, Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them but transgressors stumble in them. Now this scripture verse is the last in the book of Hosea. I start here because it speaks of two paths we all have the choice to venture down, God's way or our way. Unfortunately, most people who read the book of Hosea really never get past the storyline regarding his marriage to his God-given yet wayward wife. Beyond the marriage issues, lie the important message that is the very heart of this great book of warning. And because some people will assume it to be directed only to a certain people of a certain time, the bulk of the chapters, chapters 4 through 14, often get overlooked. But the message has great application to the church today. And since our Savior Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, it's imperative that we understand how the warnings should be impacting our lives in this day and age. You see, Hosea is filled with warnings to the Israelites, using his own marriage as an example, that they have committed spiritual adultery against the Lord. They've chased after other gods and have become idolaters instead of worshiping the one true God. That prophet spent about 45 years preaching this message to a stiff-necked people who really wanted life their way. Sound familiar? And if it wasn't for the amazing love and mercy of God, they would have been vanquished from his sight forever. Yet, despite their unfaithfulness, God is always faithful. Despite their lack of love towards God, God still loves them. Now, to understand the reasons of God's anger because of their violations, we really need to review the first three commandments or laws that God has given to mankind. So, chapter 20 of Exodus covers them. First one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness that is in heaven above or on the earth below or in the water underneath the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children on the third and fourth generations to those who hate me. But showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. And number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpenished who takes his name in vain. 
In respect to the storyline of Hosea and his extracurricular wife, uh, covered in chapters 1, uh, verse 1 through 9, and chapter 3, 1 through 5, I'm going to throw in the seventh commandment from God. You shall not commit adultery. Now, without overstating the obvious, we can clearly see that our God is a jealous God. You shall have no other gods. In clarifying terms, any religious activity focused on someone or something outside of the God of the Bible is clearly a violation of his commandments. There is not a lawyer or judge that can double-speak any other interpretation based on God's decrees. So with that said, it's clear why God is justified in his anger. So whether you call it spiritual adultery, spiritual idolatry, or spiritual apostasy, it comes down to it's a sin, and it's a sin against a holy God. But this isn't just an issue that Hosea was facing during the Old Testament writing. It's also an issue of today's church. We are living and acting no different today than the Israelites were back then. The book of Hosea's warnings are applicable to the people of God as a collective, yet they also have a deep relevance to individuals as well. If you and I were to stop for a moment to truly and honestly reflect on our life, all of our thoughts, our lifestyles, our focus, our priorities, our, our inner desires, our goals, we would really see that we've been living a spiritually adulterous life as well. We fill time, effort, and energy on temporal things far more than we do spiritual. Jesus warned us that we are to store up our treasures in heaven, not on earth. He also said that where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Matthew uh, chapter 6. Now, if our heart's desire is on the things of this world more than God, then perhaps our passions are skewed. The number of idols or gods that people worship in their daily life are far more than we might think. For some, it could be the drive for great success at work. Some might put emphasis on chasing after money and prosperity. Some might place their highest importance on appearances. Some might seek fleshly pleasures, while yet others may be seeking to fulfill their inward emotional needs. Now, some will seek praise and popularity. Some will cherish after other people more than they do God. And some will chase dreams of fame and fortune. But regardless of where they are focusing their heart's desires, they all want it according to their will, their way, their timing, their effort. And all the while, they're placing God on the back burner in their lives. What is most sad about these people that I just mentioned, those who are busy with their daily idol worship, is that they are usually the people who claim to be church-attending, Bible-believing Christians. And while there is nothing wrong, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with working hard, making an income, taking care of others, you know, having a respectable image. But what matters is the source of those things. Where is their source? Is it God or self? So for truly to understand God, how he explicitly time and time again warns people through his word to stay clear of idols, that we are to be on our guard against them and to not even mention the name of other gods, like it says in Exodus twenty-three thirteen. 
we would be more conscientious regarding the things we place as important. Even within the walls of the church throughout history, priority has always been placed on things like status, buildings, mannerisms, and even material objects, so much more than the truth of God. And despite what you would think about the church today, idolatry is still a very prevalent problem. When non-believers are struggling to see the difference between the world and the churches of today, folks, you have rampant idolatry happening. In Psalm 106, 35 through 36, it points out the issue, how the church has diminished their worship of God, but mingled themselves with the nations and learned their works and served their idols, which became a snare unto them. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 21 through 22, Paul warns that you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All right, folks, so now I ask you, so how do we respond to this? Have you chosen this day whom you will serve? Do you cherish with lust the material things of this world, or do you place importance on fulfilling the desires of God? Do you focus on pleasing others by your outward appearance and manners, or do you focus on how to present yourself before the living God? Do the things of this world take precedence before your walk with God? Has things like television and media, social media, uh, computers, phones, tablets, games, have they become gods to you? Even many of the spiritual leaders or false teachers of today have become so engrossed with garnering worldly idols that they even invent ways to get more through their misguided followers. The multitude of idols are there, and they are all aiming to fulfill you with immediate gratification. And all of these idols are what people use to replace God in his word as their sole want and desire in life. Hosea's wife, Gomer, was given to him by God to be his wife. Okay, simple. Yet she wanted something else. Her selfishness was a higher priority over God's ways. So when she went out to fulfill that desire, it fueled her pride and made chasing after her lusts irresistible. Don't we all have that at times? Where we crave something that might be outside of God's will, something that might place a higher priority, even though we know it goes against God and, his, and, and our duties to him, and though we might have that momentary bit of success, it gives us a boost in our ego and we feel accomplished. But that insatiable desire really never subsides. We just want more. Thus, our downward spiral to idolatry. Now, as I mentioned before, God's plans for our lives will never be altered, even by our waywardness and sinful passions. Yet, when we chase after our own wants and needs, we are literally committing spiritual adultery. We are prostituting ourselves to the highest bidder, as it were, so that we can get what we want when we want it. Pride, then it closes our ears to the word of God, and it fills us up like a poison, slowly leading us away from that true joy and peace that only God through Jesus Christ can really provide.
So I'd like to compare this overriding pride to driving a car in traffic. So when I drive, I do it in a certain manner and on various roadways. Yet, when others around me don't drive at the speed or fashion I want, I find my impatience growing and my attitude toward them becoming hostile. I flare up with frustration that they are impeding my way. I plan on driving at such and such a speed, yet the person in front of me is going slower than I want. What's really happening is that my personal pride and demand for things my way are being challenged. We have this very same attitude with God and His Word. See, His ways are not our ways, yet we want things our way. And with that, we become hostile toward God, ignoring His Word, and end up being a prodigal, chasing after other gods. Can you imagine the heart of God as He watches His people that He not only created, but also loves with an everlasting love, continually turning their backs on Him? and chasing after statues and false gods and lusts of the flesh. And though his love transcends the understanding of man, he still wants our complete and full love and adoration and obedience. We are created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. His love is unfailing, yet we fail him by turning our devotion to things created instead of the creator. In Romans chapter 1, it says they... They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. That is what the fallen do. That's what unbelievers do. But sadly, that is what many professing believers do. Worship any and everything other than our Lord God. Now God shows us by examples throughout the Old Testament that He is the only true God, a patient God, and yet a jealous God. God's love and patience is beyond understanding, yet it also has limits. There has been in the past and will occur in the future God unleashing his wrath on the wicked and unrepentant. The Israelites learned this time and time again. Look at how many times they were punished and lost favor with God for their sinful rebellions and idol worshiping. How many of God's people were destroyed eternally? because of their impenitent hearts. But for the people who repent of their pride, their waywardness, their selfish desires, he welcomes them back. Those who turned away from idols and ceased worshiping other gods were granted forgiveness. Now we also see this very love from God in the New Testament, that God manifested himself in his son Jesus to come and bring his elect a way of salvation from the coming wrath by paying the penalty for our sins on the cross, so that whosoever believes in him and repents of their sins, which means turning away from them, and puts their faith in him, they will be forgiven. When Christ rose from the grave, he defeated the last enemy, death, so that we who have received his mercy of forgiveness will also have eternal life with him. We worship God alone through Christ alone by the power of the Holy Spirit. We shall have no other gods before him. God is mercy, and his grace is given to those who put away their idols and follow him. It says in the scriptures that he calls you back if you will only acknowledge your guilt, that you rebelled against the Lord your God and scattered your favors among foreigners under every green tree, 
and that you have not obeyed my voice, declares the Lord. Return, O faithless children, declares the Lord, for I am your master. I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. That's Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Now I can attest that I have had my attention distracted by wants and desires very easily at times. I end up taking my focus off of the prize, the goal that's set before me, as Paul says in Philippians 3.14. It's a daily struggle. I doubt anyone can say that they don't encounter this in their lives from time to time. But it's when we find or create idols that consume our priorities, when we put our, our hope and our trust and our faith in them, it's then that we lose out on the precious fellowship with the Lord. It's worshiping these other gods that create an emptiness in our spirit and causes God to become angry. The great writer A.W. Pink said, So long as we are occupied with any object other than God himself, there will be neither rest for the heart nor peace for the mind. Folks, this is a war that we must fight to win because our souls, and perhaps the souls of others, depend on it. Our only solution is keeping God as our only God, as it says in the first commandment, and by keeping the word of God in our hearts and minds by daily meditating on it, like it says in Psalms 119, 9-11, and 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, and continually asking God's Spirit for leading, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, so that we can overcome this world and be ready for the glory of the next. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. If we are wise and discerning, we know that God's ways are perfect when compared to our ways. Because his plans will not be ruined, we should walk in his ways, upright, not stumbling about as the lost are in this lost world. Hosea paid the full price to restore his bride back to himself. God paid the full price for the penalty of our sins through Jesus to restore us back to himself. Our sign of true faith is our obedience, keeping his word, and worshiping the one true God. We shall have no other gods or idols. Instead of worshiping ourselves, submit to God and present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, as it says Romans chapter 12. By this we shall revere and honor and obey the one true and living God. Amen. This has been Things I Preach to Myself About podcast. Again, I'm your host, Rich Vangen, and I thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to hear some of the things that God's impressing on my heart. And I pray and hope that 
These are also being impressed on your heart so that we together may worship the one true God through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.